scripture readings from Psalms 126, verses 1 and 2. When the Lord restored his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang with joy. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. It is so good to be in the Lord's house. And just to be around and see all of the, the warm faces and, and the friends. And I'm so glad you all are here. What a great job the choir did. Very thankful for them. Amen. You know, this has been a very busy week in the life of the church. Uh, last Sunday, the, the Christmas wrapping for the Christmas for children. All the work that they did uh, for that. And uh, I, was, I know that they were uh, relieved to get all of those packages wrapped and picked up and out to the kids. And then we had our Santa supper. What a great time that was. And, uh, had lots of good pancakes and syrup and all that good stuff. And yesterday, what a big meal. I think they had 25 turkeys. <laughs> and uh, there was uh, the Family Life Center was filled uh, there wasn't room for people to sit at times, and then there was people coming and going from 1 till about uh, uh, 4 or 5 o'clock yesterday evening. You know, what was interesting to me the most was how many people I talked to that are connected to this church who do not attend. They used to come uh, 4 or 5, uh, maybe several years ago, and uh, they've gotten out of the habit, or they've lost contact with us, and, and uh, we talk to encourage them to come back. But it is so difficult uh, to get back into a church or back into that routine. And so if you think of somebody you saw yesterday or you've seen recently who used to attend, encourage them. Tell them you miss them. And Christmas is one of the best times to come back to church as we'll have visitors coming in and out next Sunday and, and through the first couple of Sundays of the new year. And, and when they do come back, uh, just love on them and hug them and, and uh, tell them you're so glad that they're here. Well, the title of today's sermon is Christmas Joy. You know, we all face difficulties in life. Challenges at work or in school. People that are hard to get along with. There is stress and problems and disappointments. If we're not careful, we'll let these pressures of life weigh us down. It is easy to complain. It is easy to become negative and discouraged. But you weren't created to go through life depressed or dispirited. You were created to enjoy life. You see, we can't control what happens on the outside. But we can control what happens on the inside. Let me say that again. Because that's so important. We can't control uh, how uh, things happen to us or what people do around us, but we can control how we react to that. We can control what happens on the inside of us. See, happiness for a lot of people depends upon what happens to them. 
it's a good weekend, you're all home, and you're relaxed, and you're happy. My child's team won the ball game, I'm happy. UK won the ball game, hello, <laughs> and I'm happy, amen. <laughs> but then some things happen that kind of change those feelings. The joy that comes from knowing Christ doesn't come and go by what happens around us. The joy of knowing Christ happens because what is deep down inside of us. In a Dr. Seuss Christmas story, the small-hearted Grinch takes food and toys away from all the Who's in Whoville in an effort to steal their Christmas joy. Yet on Christmas morning, the tall and the small sing without any presence at all. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps is a whole lot more. You see, Christmas joy is more than just words. Christmas joy is God becoming human in the perfect form of Jesus Christ because we need a Savior. Do you know why the Grinch hated Christmas? Because his heart was filled with hurts. His heart was filled with pains and brokenness. And there was not enough room in his heart for joy. We must let the joy of Christmas into our lives and into our attitudes. Let the Christmas joy into our hearts. Even when we meet people who are not big hearted or filled with joy. Now, if you think you are not a Grinch, but you think you know one, just go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> I, I see some hands going up. In fact, I, I saw one or two people kind of point <laughs> in certain directions. <laughs> the truth is, we are all a bunch of Grinches who need to be restored. Let's think about two questions for a moment. Have you ever been a Grinch? And why does my life need to be restored? Well, Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. What this means is, is no one's innocent. Everyone has sinned. We all stand in need of forgiveness. And yet every person is valuable to God. But no one is good enough to get into heaven on your own. 
We have fallen because of sin, but God through Jesus Christ offers to forgive us and restore us into God's grace if we turn to Him by faith. We live in a culture where it is easy to ignore our own sin. People make excuses all the time. I hear people every week make excuses for why they don't come to church. You tell me an excuse why you don't come to church, and I will tell you a reason why you should be in church. So we fall into this category of a bunch of Grinches. The next question is, why does my life need to be restored? You see, the Bible said in Psalms 126, verse 1 and 2, when the Lord restored His exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang with joy. Now the context of the Hebrew word restored means to bring back. It is in the context of those captives and prisoners who had been exiled have now been set free and returned to their homelands and to their families. We need a quick history lesson here so that we can truly understand the meaning of being restored. Israel suffered three major exiles where their people were forced out of their homes, out of their homeland, they were removed by the army and put into slavery. And this was called an exile. The first exile of the Israelites happened when the northern kingdom of Samaria was attacked by the Assyrians. It occurred about 734 to 722 B.C. when the city of Samaria was destroyed and the northern kingdom was literally wiped off of the map. The second major exile involved the destruction of the southern kingdom of Judah, the city of Jerusalem. It took place in 586 B.C. when the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar captured and took all of the people out of their homes and away from their homelands and put them into slavery. Solomon's temple was also destroyed at this time. It was the end of David's dynasty. The third major exile takes place under the Romans... In A.D. 70, the Roman general, who later became Emperor Titus, destroyed Jerusalem and Herod's temple. Now, it's important for us to understand that when things take place after the death and resurrection of Christ, that those events are talking to the church after Jesus. In other words, things that happen after the death and resurrection of Christ are very important for us to understand because they have significance for the church today. Romans 11.25 teaches us that the true end of the exile will be when people return unto the risen Christ. 
The true end, the true restoration of God's people is when they start repenting of their sins because their sin, your sin, my sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Now, wow, that's a lot to take in. But we need to understand why we need to be restored in order to really laugh and be filled with Christmas joy. Maureen Cleaver was just seven years old in 1939 when her father John was called off to go into war in the army in World War II. She didn't see him again for six years, but she remembers the night that he came home. It was late, and there was a loud knock on the front door, and her mother Elizabeth asked Maureen to answer it. There stood her dad, but he did not recognize his 13-year-old daughter. In his mind, she was still the little toddler that she was when he left to go fight in the war. He said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, I must have come to the wrong house. And he turned around to leave. Of course, it didn't take very long before Maureen cried out, Daddy, it's me. And Maureen, she ran and she hugged him around the neck. And together, they began to laugh with joy. A father who had been torn from his family, a father who had been taken from his home into another country to fight a war was restored to his girl and to his family. We've seen news clips of this happen just in the last few weeks. The news puts on a soldier who has returned from home from, from fighting in the military. That's what Psalm 126 is talking about here when it says they'll be filled with laughter and they will sing with joy. But there's another type of restore. There's another type of homecoming. And this restored is to the Heavenly Father. And it comes to us. This restored comes to us when we are called into this right relationship with Jesus. Jesus, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born under the Virgin Mary, and God incarnate. And what this means is that when we see Jesus, we have seen God our Father. So when God wanted to announce what God was like, He was born in the form of baby Jesus. And so we are all a bunch of Grinches who need to be restored. The second point I want to make this morning is that I want to ask you this question. What makes you filled with laughter and joy? What are the things that you laugh about and you rejoice about. You see, what can happen in life is people can lose their joy. Have you ever lost your joy? You see, you can lose your joy at work. You can lose your joy at home. 
You can lose the joy of your faith. You lose your joy sometimes when you overspend and the bills start coming in. You lose your joy as you make excuses. You can lose your joy by all the hang-ups and addictions and negative habits that take place in our life. We isolate ourselves. We try to go it alone. You can build up a lot of fences for why you don't let God in. But God knows how to locate you. God knows how to come to us. In fact, God knows exactly where you are. The message of Christmas joy isn't that you found God. The message of Christmas joy is that God has come to us. God has found us. God found you. He found you when you were in despair and you were grieving, and you were hurting. He finds you when you're distressed. He finds you when you're wounded and you're broken. He finds you when you're lost. God reveals Himself to you. I think there might be someone that God is saying on a personal level, I'm looking for you. Maybe God is reminding you that you don't have to go through it alone. God is with you through the fire. Hello? God is with you through the storm. God is with you through a divorce. God is with you through a loss of a loved one. God is with you in a financial struggle. He's with you when the doctor comes back and he says the test doesn't look good. God is with you when you've sinned, when you've done things wrong. He doesn't forget you. You might not be able to forget your sin and you can't forgive your sin, but God says, I can. I will forgive your sins if you will turn to me. He still loves you. He still comes to you. He wants to restore you. He restored Jerusalem and released the prisoners and they came back to their families. You see, captivity can take on many different forms. Slavery can be anything that defeats your purpose. Bondage is anything that's stronger than you are. Anything that takes away your dignity. But then exile took on a different look. The people of Israel started believing in God once again. The people turned to God and began to pray and repent of their sins. You see, Christmas is meant to be a restoration for somebody. I believe today that someone will hear this message and know that God wants to bring back your joy. The greatest gift of God isn't around you. The greatest gift this Christmas isn't under a Christmas tree. It's not wrapped up in a box. It won't have a ribbon or a bow on it. The greatest gift this Christmas is the free gift of His Son Jesus Christ who died on the cross that we could have forgiveness. I believe God's voice is drawing and calling you near today. You know, sometimes we go into Christmas and, and we expect Christmas to just be this perfect 
time of the year. And when things don't turn out exactly the way we want it, we can get disappointed. And you know, that's a really strange thing, isn't it? But it's true. There can be dozens of presents under a Christmas tree. But unless you get exactly the gift that you wanted, you might be disappointed. Or, or there can be a table spread with all kinds of food. But unless your favorite dessert is on it, you might be let down. That's really something to stop and think about, isn't it? How we let such little things take away our laughter and joy. Do you ever get frustrated over something that's so small in the bigger picture of life? Compared to all of the blessings and all of the great things that we have and all the wonderful things happening around us, and yet we let some minor little detail throw us out of whack. The next time you complain, begin to retrace and walk with Jesus in His footsteps from the cradle to the cross. That's all that's required for you to receive God's grace. To open up your heart and say, Father, would you come in? Would you restore my laughter and restore my joy? Joy is being in the presence of God. Joy is the amen of the Holy Spirit. This very week, God did something in my life. I was walking around the corner of this building and I saw a father picking up his child from the preschool. He was lifting his daughter into the car seat and as he picked her up, she dropped her french fries from McDonald's and she began to cry. And the father wiped the tears from his little girl's eyes and I heard him say, Honey, it's okay. You can have daddy's fries. And I thought to myself, that's God speaking to us, isn't it? We can have daddy's french fries. You see, I get distracted sometimes and I forget how much God loves me. I get careless sometimes and I drop my french fries. But God has given us His own French fries. Can somebody say amen? Woo, I'll tell you, God was speaking to me. He's talking about all the great things that He gives us into our life. He brings us joy. And oh, what a powerful moment it is. And so when we come into this church house and we sing the songs, when we sing the doxology, let us sing as though we're singing unto God. When we sing the hymns, let us sing because we're singing unto the God who has given us so much. When we hear the sermons, let's say amen. When we worship together, let's praise the Lord. There was a 15-year-old girl named Marsha. She asked her family, she said, can't we just skip Christmas this year? You see, her mom had been diagnosed with cancer. Her father had to work Christmas Eve. 
to help pay all the bills. Her sister wasn't coming home from college. Christmas was coming, but Marcia wanted no part of it. The things that separate Christmas joy from cultural happiness is that Christmas joy acknowledges our pain. Happiness is circumstance. Life happens. But Christmas joy comes from seeing the baby Jesus in the manger. Christmas joy is everlasting. A cup of eggnog might make you merry, but joy does more than drown our tears. Joy will get you through the night when you're holding the hand of someone you love and they seem to be getting sicker. Joy of Christ is an abiding, ever-present, everlasting gift. It's not just a three-letter word on a Christmas card. It is the advent. It is the arrival of Christ, our Savior and King of Kings. Would you bow your heads and pray with me?